It was the beginning of the year 1871. On January the 6th, Henry Stanley had reached Zanzibar. With a caravan and American money, he had forced his way through Africa. He almost died from sickness, but eventually found himself walking into a tribal area. By this time, it was mid-October. He heard the English words, Good day, sir, an English phrase, but with a thick African accent. Stanley turned to see an African man standing with his hand stretched out to shake Stanley's hand. Where did you learn such good English, sir? Mr. Livingston, I work for him. What? Mr. Livingston, is he here? Yes, I will take you to him. Henry walked into the tent where Livingston was living, and it was that moment that the two men met. Hello, my name is Laura Lee Siemens, and I'm the host of the Church History Podcast. Today, we're finishing up the story of David Livingston and Henry Stanley. They are famous for mapping out Africa and creating the ability for missionaries to work in Africa. Because of this period of exploring Africa and mission work, some people believe that this is when the church came to Africa. There is also this idea that Christianity is a white person's religion. However, if you've been following this podcast from the start, you know we are telling the history of the church in order. So if we review, all the way back in the year 62, the Apostle Mark was killed as a martyr during his work in Africa. In the year 180, the School of Alexandria was formed in Africa. We talked about this school in many different episodes that you can go back and listen to. In the year 325, in Africa, was the Council of Nicaea, and this was perhaps the most important council in church history. Augustine, or Augustine, however you want to pronounce him, was from Africa and one of the most important men in church history. So while David Livingston went to Africa, and when he went there, there weren't many Christians in Africa, that had not always been the case. Africa was the site of many of the most important church history moments. Three years ago, some people tried to get the statue of Henry Stanley taken down. It stands in the town where he lived. There were calls that he was a colonizer, racist, that he murdered thousands of Africans, and was responsible for the slavery and deaths of millions in the Congo. As we go through his story today, I'm going to point out where these accusations come from and why I don't think that they are fair. The town wisely allowed the people to vote, and more than 75% of the people voted to keep the statue. So, it's still there today. Let's look at our story today. Before we do, today's episode is brought to you by Alexander Henry Coffee. If you order coffee and use the code CHURCHHISTORY, you can get 20% off. And you can find the link and the code in the show notes. And now, today's episode. David Livingston was nearing death and discouraged. Henry stayed with him and nursed him back to health. He told David about the events around the world. He gave him letters from his children, and he gave him medicine and care. David and Henry became friends. They had a relationship that was more like a father and son. 
We don't have a record of when Henry became a Christian, but it was during this time that Henry changed. He began to see the African exploration as a calling and not an adventure or a way to become famous. As he learned more about the Arab slave trade, he felt the same calling David felt to end the slave trade. While the transatlantic slave trade was horrific, and I've spent many episodes talking about the horrors of the transatlantic slave trade, the Arab slave trade was far worse and lasted much longer, and in reality, still exists today, although not officially. David Livingston believed if the rivers of Africa could be mapped out, they would work like highways, connecting the people of Africa with the outside world. The people of Africa would be able to trade their goods with the outside world. Right now, the only people who were willing to travel into the heart of Africa to trade only wanted slaves, and the people were selling their own people as slaves for a few guns. David Livingston had mapped out much of Africa's rivers, but had not yet found the mouth of the Nile, the one thing he had tried his entire life. Once David was better, he and Henry traveled together. They explored the northern areas of Lake Tanzania and also traveled another 200 miles to the east. Henry could see that David was not doing well. He came to care deeply for this man. Henry had a deep desire to have a family, and he felt like David was his father. He wanted David to leave Africa with him and come to America. But David Livingston refused. He understood that his time was limited, and he wanted to die in Africa. During this time, David spoke about his biggest regret. He realized that he had failed as a father. He regretted that he had not been a better father to his children. And we will talk more about this at the end of the episode. While traveling with David, the two men came across slave traders, and there was a young boy among the slaves. Perhaps Stanley was reminded of his own childhood, but he could not stand the thought of this little boy going into slavery. So Henry bought the boy. The boy's name was Kalulu, and he learned that Kalulu didn't have a family to return to. So Henry vowed to the boy that he would care for him for the rest of his life. On March 14, 1872, Henry said goodbye to David and left to return to England. Henry brought Kalulu with him to England. Henry and Kalulu said goodbye to David Livingston, and they would never see him again. David Livingston began to travel again, this time towards the south. He wanted desperately to find the source of the Nile River. In May 1873, David Livingston's African companions went to his bedroom to check on him. They saw him kneeling by the bed in prayer. When they came to him, they found he had died. He died at the age of 60. His African colleagues knew that David wanted to be buried in Africa, yet his family would want him to be buried in England. So they took out his heart and buried his heart in Africa. Then, they carried his body all the way across Africa. It was a very difficult trip and showed the great respect that the men had for David. 
On April the 18th, 1874, his body was returned to England. He was buried at the famous Westminster Abbey, and Henry Stanley was one of the pole-bearers. Stanley published How I Found Livingston, and later the story of two British companions in Africa. Henry and Clue traveled, and they spoke about the slave trade in Africa. Most people in the West believed that the slavery had ended with the end of the transatlantic slave trade. Most were not aware of the horrors of the Arab slave trade. Even today, many people believe that slavery started and ended with the transatlantic slave trade. That that was the only moment in history when slavery existed. But slavery had been many centuries before, and sadly continued long after. When Livingston died, Henry Stanley felt God calling him to take up the mantle and finish the work that Livingston had started. He didn't use missionary funding. He was now one of the most famous reporters, and so he was funded by the New York Herald and the Daily Telegram from London. Unlike David Livingston, who put his children in boarding schools, Henry took Kalulu with him. He called him his son, and Kalulu called him father. On November the 12th, 1874, Henry and Kalulu headed toward Lake Victoria. His trip started badly. He put together a crew based on recommendations from the British Navy. However, almost right away, his crew began stealing. Not only stealing from Stanley, but they were also stealing from the Africans. One of the men was caught kidnapping a young girl and then paying Africans to kill her and eat her so he could watch and draw them while they killed her and ate her. When Stanley learned about this, he turned the man into the authorities. He was horrified that this had happened. He learned that other crew members had also kidnapped African women. He released the women and punished the men. This is what has led some people to say that Henry Stanley abused the African people. They blame him for what the men on his crew did. While it's true that the fault usually does fall to leadership, Stanley made it very clear he did not approve of this, and he turned the men responsible into authorities. On top of all of this, there was also disease, desertion, and even an attempt at mutiny. And in just the first two months, Stanley lost over 200 of his crew to either death or desertion. As the crew traveled, they were attacked on a regular basis. Warring tribes would attack them with arrows dipped in poison. Henry and his crew would defend themselves and fight back. You will remember from our last episode that Henry Stanley was a good marksman. So in fighting back, he did kill many Africans. At one point, a tribe attacked them, and Henry and his crew stole the tribe's canoes. This would have made it impossible for the tribe to fish, hunt, or trade, and would have destroyed the tribe. Henry met with the chief and offered to return half the canoes and then buy the other half of them. Only if the chief would agree to stop attacking them. The chief agreed. I share this story because many people look back and judge Stanley as a mass killer because of the men who were killed. However, Stanley never attacked, but only defended himself and his men. 
and tried to make peace where he could. Once Lake Victoria was completely mapped out, the crew headed to Lake Albert. There were so many warring tribes in this area and they were attacked so much, they were forced to leave. When traveling through Uganda, Henry spent time with the king. He spoke to the king about Christianity. King of Uganda was a Muslim and at first agreed only to allow his people to become Christians if they wanted to. However, Henry continued over the years to keep his relationship with the king strong and continued to speak with him about Jesus Christ. Eventually, the king of Uganda became a Christian. Henry wrote back to England, Oh, that some pious, practical missionaries would come here. What a field and harvest are ripe for the sickle of civilization. It is the practical Christian tutor who can teach people how to become Christians, cure their diseases, construct dwellings, and turn his hand to anything like a sailor. This is the man who is wanted. You need not fear to spend money on such a mission. During this time of being attacked and fighting back, Henry recorded everything. He was sending reports to the newspapers. The readers were excited to read about the discoveries made in Africa. However, people were upset about the fighting and the death. And it was controversial immediately. Henry was told that people are forced to defend themselves, but it is not something one talks about. Other explorers were facing the same problems and fighting back. However, no one else was talking about it. So it seemed as though only Henry was fighting back. To make matters much worse, a very, very racist man named Sir Richard Burton wrote about the fighting. Burton accepted Darwin's theory that the African person was less evolved and closer to an animal than the white person. He sided with the Arab slave trade and didn't think the transatlantic slave trade should have ended. When Sir Richard Burton wrote about Henry, he said that Henry shot them as if they were monkeys. Today, people use this quote to prove that Henry was racist and violent. However, I think it's unfair to blame Henry for something that somebody else wrote about him. Would it have been better for Henry to do nothing while his own men were killed, including his adopted son? Would that have been more righteous? The crew then began to map out the Congo River. This was the most dangerous part of the trip. When they had mapped out almost the entire Congo River, they came unexpectedly to 155 miles of rapids and waterfalls. As the boat went over one of the falls, some of the crew were killed. As the crew landed at the end of the waterfalls and they were trying to figure out who was alive and who they had lost, Henry was horrified to find his son Kalulu among the dead. He buried his son and named the waterfall Kalulu Falls. Kalulu was 12 years old when he drowned. August 1877. Stanley completed his trip. It took him three years to map out the major rivers of Africa, a task that seemed impossible. He returned, heartbroken at the loss of Kalulu, and also heard news that a young lady he'd been writing to, hoping to marry, had instead married another man while he was gone. The year Henry returned, the first missionaries headed to Uganda, and they arrived on the shores of Africa. Stanley wrote another book 
Through the Dark Continent, and it was published in 1878. Then, Henry was hired by the King of Belgium, King Leopold II, and asked to map out the Congo Basin and build a road from the Lower Congo to the Stanley Pool. Henry agreed to the job and worked from 1879 to June 1885. He was told he was creating the Congo Free State. The people of the Congo would be a free state and would have roads to help them trade with the rest of Africa and with the whole world. He wrote a book in 1885 called The Congo and the Founding of its Free State. However, what he did not know was that King Leopold was claiming the land for himself, personally. The people of the Congo were all, suddenly, slaves of King Leopold. Rubber had been invented and was in high demand. King Leopold forced the people of the Congo to produce rubber. If they failed to meet their quota, the punishment was to have their hands cut off. Tribes began attacking other tribes to kill people and steal their hands so they could turn over those hands when they didn't meet the quota. This is another reason that people don't like Stanley. But once again, this was something that didn't have anything to do with Stanley. The king used Henry Stanley's work to do evil, but that had never been the intention of Henry. It was eight years after Henry Stanley left Africa that the king began to force people in the Congo to produce rubber. It took about 20 years before people became aware of what the king was doing. The Belgium government then bought the land from the king. In order to stop this from happening, that meant that Belgium owned the land from 1908 to 1960. Congo became an independent republic on June 30, 1960. Stanley had another trip to Africa. A governor in Egypt had been separated from his group at Lake Albert during the revolt of 1882. Henry Stanley went to Lake Albert to find him. He left England in January 1887. The trip was so dangerous that he lost 220 men on this trip. And when they finally found the governor, he didn't even want to return with them, and they had to force him to come. He finally returned to England, and that same year, he married a young lady named Dorothy. Henry and Dorothy heard that one of Henry's cousins had a little boy outside of marriage and the family was treating this little boy the same way they had treated him. Henry and Dorothy asked to adopt the boy, and the family agreed. They named the boy Denzel. Henry made sure that Denzel had both British and U.S. citizenship. He brought Denzel with him to visit South Africa in 1898. This is when he wrote a book called Through South Africa. Once back from that trip, he was knighted by the Queen, and became Sir Henry Morton Stanley. Now, with a wife and a son, he saw his mission from God to be a husband and a father. He lived with his family on a small estate. Henry was convinced by Dorothy to run for Parliament, which he did, and he won, and became a member of Parliament. And what he learned very quickly was that he really, really hated politics. On the 10th of May, 1904, Stanley died at his home. But even in his death, he faced rejection. Before his death, he applied to be buried near David Livingston. Since he was a knight, he should have been granted permission. But as he was dying, people were learning the horrors of what the King of Belgium had done in the Congo. And so, they refused to allow him to be buried there.
He was told, The Westminster Abbey was a place for those who are respected, and not for people such as himself. So even in his death, he faced the rejection of those who didn't think he was good enough. His books inspired many missionaries to go to Africa. He created the maps they needed. By the year 1900, there were 9 million Christians in Africa. A hundred years later, in the year 2000, there were 280 million Christians. One of the things that jumped out to me as I studied the life of both Livingston and Stanley was the idea of fatherhood. David Livingston was a great man, however, not a great father, and this was his biggest regret. As a husband, he spent more than half of his marriage away from his family, and at times, he made Mary and his children travel long and dangerous distances. His youngest daughter, Anna Mary, was only 15 years old when he died. Her grandchildren have carried on the work in Africa. Her grandchildren are doctors and aid workers. While Livingston's great-grandchildren are carrying on his work and are proud of his work in Africa, his children felt differently. One changed his name so he would not be associated with his famous father. Another died trying to find him. His children were raised by boarding schools and relatives. I heard once from a person in ministry that they believed they would do God's work and just believe in faith that God would take care of their children. And this is what they'd been taught in Bible school. This is simply not biblical. In fact, we see from biblical characters such as Samuel and Eli, both men of God, who had children who did not walk with God, that God held them accountable for not teaching their children how to walk with God. Now, you can be a great parent and have your children walk away from God, and you can be a horrible parent and have your children walk with God. However, your child has been given to you as a gift from God, and your family must always be your first ministry. This might mean, at times, you have to walk away from your ministry if your family needs you. We see in the life of Henry Stanley that he was always looking for his family's approval. So if you're in ministry and wondering if it's too late, your children are grown, it's never too late. Show them you love them by sacrificing your own wishes and desires to be there for them when they need you. While David Livingston is the most famous of the two men, most Christians have never even heard of Henry Stanley. After researching the two men, personally, I think Henry Stanley was the better of the two. David became a Christian as a child, and Henry only came to Christ as an adult. But once Henry came to Christ, he gave him his whole life. He finished David's work and was able to accomplish what he was never able to do in just a few years. He also led more people to Christ, including the king of Uganda, who went on to make Uganda a Christian nation. So, he was more successful both in evangelism and in his work to map Africa. Once Henry married and adopted Denzel, he made sure his family had a home and that they were taken care of. He continued his work, but only in a way where he was first and foremost a husband and father. Now, I don't want to sound like I'm putting David Livingston down. He was a great man of God and accomplished so much. And his time spent with Henry led Henry to Christ and motivated him to finish the work. And David Livingston's name is still held in high regard across Africa, and that says a lot. But I also don't want to glaze over the fact that he could and should have been a better father. 
and I want to encourage anyone listening to make sure you understand if you are a parent or a spouse, your first job, your first ministry is your family. One more fun fact before we end. In the 1990s, Nintendo made a video game with the life of Henry Stanley. I looked up and found some screenshots of the game and it's pretty cool. I wanted to find a way to play it, but I couldn't find a link to any game that's playable on today's devices. But if I do ever find one, I'll let you know. Or if you find one that can be played on Nintendo's devices today, message me and let me know because I think that's really cool. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you want to hear more episodes or check out some other videos or some other podcasts, you can visit my blog at lauraleesiemens.com. And I'll see you next time. <music>